to episode 27 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Butler, and I'm joined today with Phil Fariska. Hey, everybody. And Melissa Cavanaugh. Hello. And Misha Bakikia. Hi-dee-ho. And this is going to be another Misha episode where she talks most of the episode. woo Because she did all the notes for this, and everyone else is super unprepared. So you're going to have to carry the weight today, Misha. Hey, P.S., that's how every episode goes. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> that is inaccurate. Oh, I'm glad that I get this one because I, it's episode 27. I happen to just turn 27. There so you go. Revealing your age. A woman should never do that. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> All right. I am the youngest one in the room? Question mark. Looking around? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yep. All right. There we go. <laughs> Feeling good about it. Feeling good about 27. All righty. Well, good. So it, it, it was recently your birthday, so if anyone wants to send you a cat card for your birthday, they can and some wine. I'm sure you, you can would find appreciate me it. Sock Cricket Chimney. <laughs> this is a callback that no one's going to get. That was like episode two or something when we were talking about this. Well, they're just going to have to go listen to every episode to understand the reference. All right. See what I did there? You're welcome. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Our listenership is going to go up and our negative reviews is going to go up significantly too. So thanks. You're welcome. Double whammy. All right. So today's episode, we are going to be talking about dun, 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 Airbnb. I feel like it's been a long time coming. It's yeah, been in the news a lot lately. It has. And I feel like in, in at least seven episodes at different times, we've said we should do an episode on Airbnb. So finally, the moment you've all been waiting for. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about what it is for those that aren't familiar with it. We're going to talk about why it's been so successful, how it's disrupting the industry, and then some practical things that you as a hotel can take and learn from how they've been successful and apply to your business as well. Because... That's what we do here. We try to give you tips and tricks on hotel marketing and try to put more heads in beds for you guys. So before we do that, let's kick off with what's going on in the news. Well, I can start. I found a really cool article on TravelWeekly.com. And not only was it interesting because the concept is interesting, but I found it interesting because it is happening in a market that's pretty close to all of us in Myrtle Beach. So Marriott International announced on Tuesday that it dedicated its first laboratory hotel. Those of you who are not in the office with us, I'm doing air quotes. They call it a laboratory hotel. So what this really is, is a beta version of a hotel. They launched it in Charlotte and they're really using this space to test out a lot of really interesting concepts. I'm assuming if these concepts work well that they would apply these then to other properties. So some of the things that they're doing, um, they have just a totally different design throughout the hotel. It does not look or feel like a hotel at all. Um, They have a a really open pop-up bar, a cafeteria area. Um, They have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars renovating the room just to not feel like a traditional hotel at all. And they have all these really interesting like collaborative spaces and just a lot of really interesting things that you don't typically see in a hotel these days and what's really cool about it is they have all of these um, little touch screen squares all throughout the hotel so you can actually provide real-time feedback if oh hey this is cool you can touch it leave your feedback or you know do you like it do you not like it perhaps say what you do or don't like about it so really every aspect of the, this hotel is a giant A-B test putting it out there so I thought it was really interesting that um, you know they're they're actually not only just testing something out there and throwing it out there, but that they're seeking that immediate feedback. Yeah. You know, I don't know if this is gimmick or if this is actually worthwhile for them. I really don't because part of me looks at it in in my background as a scientist, we did a lot of experimentation. And one of the things you learn when you're experimenting is, you know, when people know that there's an experiment going on, it can affect the outcome of the results. Right. So you, are attracting a certain demographic of person to this type of property, right? It's, it's novel, it's innovative, um, it's probably going to appeal to millennials more than any other demographic, which is obviously why Marriott's trying to do this. But the fact that these are the kind of early adopting type people that are going and not representative of a broad spectrum of consumer, does that really negate the results they get from it? Does it really apply to the general public? I don't know. It sounds cool. They're getting a lot of buzz. They're getting a lot of PR. So from that perspective, it's successful. But are they going to apply stuff that they actually learn from the property out to other brands? I think they would. I mean, if you see overwhelmingly positive feedback from a 
certain item. You said you can mm -hmm. basically review anything, right? And yeah, and they have, um, the article kind of goes into some of the, all the different things that they're kind of testing out, if you will. Um, but one of them was like a fitness center. Instead of a traditional fitness center, they have where you can take a video class from a digital instructor, which is kind of oh. cool. So it gives you more of a, if you're going to a gym and taking a class type experience versus just a, you know, underwhelming hotel gym experience, which I feel like you get a lot of times. And in the past, when they've wanted to roll out stuff like that, they'll do it in a pilot program at some of their existing properties. It's just interesting that they feel the need to have this kind of incubator lab mm -hmm. to do it now. I, I don't know. It's cool. I'd like to stay there personally, even though I'm not a, a millennial. But, I, you know, I, again, I, I question the validity of the science behind it. But I think it's neat. Well, like I said, I think it would have to be overwhelming for them to take an idea out of that. And yeah, but then, you, then you've got, you know, again, you've got a skewed sample size. You're in a specific geographic location with specific expectations. Just because it works there or it's positive there doesn't mm -hmm. mean it applies, you know, in Very San true. Francisco to a completely different demographic. I don't know. But it's cool. I really like the fact they're doing this. I mean, it's not like Marriott has enough going on just acquiring Starwood and now they have 30 <laughs> brands. Let's keep innovating you know yeah. they're really trying to push the envelope it's pretty cool right, what's next the other one is an article I found on hospitalitynet.org and it's about Hilton recycling their soap that just sounds gross doesn't it though <laughs> it's actually not for future guests they're, it's a recycling program for the environment so basically they're taking all the partially used soaps uh, recycling them you know, remanufacturing them and sending them to homeless shelters, community centers, and, and things like that. So it's a, you know, a goodwill, it's, and it's also saved 570 tons of waste going into landfills, and they've created four million bars of soap out of one million pounds of recycled soap. You know what this just immediately reminded me of? The episode of Seinfeld, where Elaine comes up with the idea to just have the muffin tops and they all have <laughs> the leftover muffins and they give it to the homeless shelter and the homeless people are offended because they're only getting the leftover muffins that nobody wanted. Well, I mean, it's, it's, this is definitely going to impoverished nations and really bad parts of the world. So it's people who don't have hygienic products. No, I, I didn't, I didn't cool read the article. Thing. Did they talk to any of the consumers of the product? Was that in the article? Uh, not that I saw in the article, no. It was, it was more just... Uh, Hilton promoting this program, but they do have a bunch of their Hilton properties doing it. I just mm -hmm. think it's a really cool thing. It's better than wasting it, right? Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, it, it completely oogs me out, but I yeah, think it's great. I don't think we're yeah. expecting you to use it. But. Two million children die every year from preventable hygiene-related illnesses, and simple hand washing could cut these rates by nearly 50%. So mm -hmm. they're doing some really good good in the world. Yeah, I think it's great. By using something that was going to get thrown in the garbage and fill the landfills. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's It's not biodegradable, yeah. I would assume. I don't know. Soap is... It's full of parabens. Don't get me started on that. Yeah. I like don't to know about their soap. soap sanitation process. Say that ten times fast. Yeah. They, that's, yeah. It, it's, that would be cool to do a video of how they take the soap. Well, if you drop a soap, soap in mud or drop a bar of soap in mud, is it dirty? It's self-cleaning. It's soap. Uh, yeah. Like an oven. You just broke my brain. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to answer that question. <laughs> I feel like my brain's stuck in an infinite loop. That's really weird. You're like the cat. And like the buttered toast. toast. <laughs> yeah, like a perpetual motion machine. It's just flipping around. All right, do we have any less crazy articles? We do have one other one that okay. we were actually just talking about. So this was from GeekWire. And it talks about how the Expedia CEO was quoted saying that he hopes travel-related virtual reality fails miserably. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> Optimistic. Yeah. But then he follows up with that. Um, his quote is, I hope that VR in travel fails miserably because I want people to actually go places. Yeah, so he's not saying the use of VR to market, right? Which is how we've talked about it on the podcast before. He's talking about it as a replacement for the experience itself. Which, which theoretically, you know, if technology continues to improve and VR is something that, that's big right now, you've got, you know, the PlayStation, Xbox, rumored to be the new Nintendo, all going to be big into VR. PCs are already doing it. And Facebook are investing heavily in VR as well. So... This, this is part of our future in terms of how we consume information, but 
but does it replace a visit? You know, that's I, I, a long way off. It's it's a little science fiction. There's actually a show on Netflix called um, Dark Matter. It's a sci-fi show. And in it, when you want to take a vacation, you literally go in this little box and it creates a clone of you hundreds of thousands of miles away in another planet. And then that that clone goes and has the experience and then it downloads all the experience back to the original host. Oh, that's creepy. Which is really weird, right? But, I mean, that's kind of what we're leaning towards as we get into this can you go and immerse yourself in somewhere else through vr and never have to leave i mean really you can do it right now if you have vr you can sit on your couch and view the beach if you want to and it looks like you're there the only thing you're not getting a tan but yeah but you don't get the smells and you don't get the tastes and you don't get the The interactions your toes aren't in the sand those type of things right right? it's just a very it's a very two-dimensional you know, experience. It's not to me. It's never going to really replace mm-hmm. travel, but I think it's a great way to augment your marketing and, and to put someone somewhere that they're thinking about going to encourage them to go mm-hmm. and actually consume an experience. Well, the way this conversation even started was in March. Expedia live streamed um, virtual adventures for children who were too sick to leave the hospital. So clearly, a very well intended use of the technology. But I agree with him. I, That's really you know, cool. And I agree with you as well. I don't think it will ever actually replace the actual traveling. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. And I, I love CEOs that just take a stand and are super candid like this. And like just, here's my opinion and I don't really care what you think. And I definitely respect that. And from an Expedia standpoint, of course you want people... To go stay yeah. somewhere because that's how you make money. They book through you. So it mm-hmm. uh, makes a lot of sense. I could see it hurting something like sports travel, though, because that might be cooler to watch on VR than it would be in the stadium. Yeah, I could get that because you'd still get the sound and you could zoom in right. and pick angles. And yeah. Yeah, man, I've gotten to where, especially with big screen TVs with surround sound now, I'd, oftentimes I'd rather watch it oh, at home than go to the house. stadium. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll go to the stadium maybe once a year just because, yeah. but. The rest of the time, I'd, I'd see more of the game if I'm actually watching it on TV. Definitely. So, yeah, interesting. All right, so let's jump into our main topic, which is um, Airbnb, which incidentally was originally a bed and breakfast, like a virtual bed and breakfast, but mm-hmm. in most cases, you don't actually get breakfast. You do get the air and the bed. Breakfast not always included. Yeah. So uh, it should just be Airbnb. <laughs> Airbnb in question mark. Yeah, and maybe be <laughs> talk know. to your host question mark yeah so somebody can possibly be <laughs> yeah so airbnb is is basically it's been around since 2008 i believe and it, it's you know it's spawned off of the sharing economy which we've heard a lot of it's a buzz term that's around there it's things like uber um we also had on, on the accommodation side we had uh couch surface which was really big for a number of years i haven't heard much about it in in recent years but i'm assuming it's still out there but you know it basically leverages uh community to share something they have to give back to other people and to make profit from it just like uber does from a driving perspective airbnb takes people that have a spare room initially that just had a room in their house that can then rent it out to someone just on a short-term basis and it's evolved, obviously, over the last eight years to where people have built businesses around it now. So they're buying whole apartment complexes and doing rentals through that. And we'll talk a little bit about how that's impacting um, certain areas. And I think you, Misha, specifically have some anecdotes related to that in New Orleans. But, you know, people that once perhaps had long-term rentals are now pulling that inventory and pushing it on the Airbnb. So obviously this has had a big dent on the industry, accommodations industry. Um, but before we kind of get into why that is and, and some of the, the things we want to talk about, Misha, you recently actually booked through Airbnb and all our clients can be super mad at you for doing that. <laughs> but you did it in the interest of science, obviously. So why don't you talk a little bit about that experience and the process that you went through to, to make a booking? I sure can. So I am going to a Clemson football game in a few weeks. Nobody wants to hear that. Um, So I'm going to a game in a few weeks. And Clemson, for anyone who's unfamiliar, which I know probably most of you are, but it's a really small town in the upstate. It's about four and a half, five hours from here. And 
small college town doesn't have a ton of hotel options. So the hotels that are there get really expensive around game time. I mean, you're talking a pretty standard flag hotel. You're gonna be paying between two to $500 a night potentially. It's just unrealistic for most people. And then you have some other smaller towns and then Greenville, but that brings up the whole driving issue and coordinating all that. So I'm trying to figure out a solution here. So I decided in the interest of science, just to check out Airbnb. Um, I've looked on it before, but I've never really gone through a super tedious research process. Um, so I went ahead and selected um, where I was going, which is Clemson, when I was going, the dates of the game, and then two guests. And then I came up with a full list um, of options. And from there you can select, it's pretty interesting, you can select if you would prefer to have an entire residence to your house, to yourself, like a, a house or a condo or whatever, or you can rent a private room or you can rent a shared room. So my friend and I figuring we're not really gonna be in the room that often anyway, we were fine with doing just a private room. So I picked out one, we agreed on the price, all that was fine, so I started going through the booking process super easy booking process um, just for those of you who aren't aware you can peruse the app without having an account but to actually book obviously you do need to create an account um, so I did that when you go through the booking process um, they had some interesting security features so I had to my camera opened up and it prompted me to take a picture right then which I was not prepared for so I might go and update that later but I had to take a picture and then I had to upload the front and back of my driver's license and then um, enter in my payment information. And I can't remember if I entered that in or if I just took a picture of it. It's one of, one of the two. And then um, it went to the host for approval. And they do have an instant book feature, which does not require a host approval. Um, but this girl did. So she approved it within a couple of hours and I was set to go. That's great. I mean, it, from my perspective, and I've looked at it, I've never actually purchased it, but I've gone through the process both as a consumer and as a host just to look at it. And I would say just the user interface itself is so clean and simple and linear that, I mean, it's idiot-proof. It is really, really, really good. Yeah, I mean, just the whole research to, you know, reading the reviews, they have tons of reviews, and um, the booking process was so easy, and they do a really good job of establishing that trust and that sense of security. Like, I didn't feel weird about putting my financial information in there. Like, it was very trustworthy. So you said you had to be approved. Is that something because you got a private room, or...? Well, no, so the host, whoever, whether it's a private room or whoever is renting out the entire space, um, if you don't do the instant book, that you basically send in a request for a reservation and then they'll, and you have to send them a message. Like, and I just said, hey, you know, I'm coming up to Clemson for a game, we're alumni, really looking forward to it. And then she just responded back and approved our gotcha. request or whatever. Yeah, and then that, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but that's caused a lot of controversy because mm. people are getting denied for various reasons, but we'll touch on that. So before we do that, I do want to talk about what makes Airbnb so so good and why it's been so successful. And to put it in perspective, Airbnb has more than double the number of units available that Marriott and Starwood does combine. So Marriott and Starwood has about 1.1 million units worldwide airbnb now is offering over two million units worldwide that is crazy. so it's twice as big as marriott it's crazy. insane it's in over 140 countries it's in over 35,000 cities and it even has well it has over 100 million users or accounts and it even has 1400 castles that you can rent so I, first of all, did not even know this many castles exist. I'm not from Europe, so I had no idea. That's not really a thing over here. Maybe the motherland, you know more yeah, about that. There's a lot of castles in But this brings to light hope for so many people who have spoiled little brats at home that they can indeed be a princess. Yeah, they can. They can. They can't have a unicorn, but they can They can have their little castle. Yeah, but maybe they'll dabble with unicorns next time. put a party hat on a horse, he'd be all right. <laughs> <laughs> that would work. Yeah, 1,400 castles. I don't know why that's on their about page, but it's one that's of the stats cool, that they quote. I, I thought it was really interesting. But that, that kind of tells you the type of inventory that can be available. Like, it's definitely not a standard experience like a hotel experience is. You can literally be staying, like, in a in a barn, like in a barn that's used I've seen treehouse units. There's actually, There's tree like, houses. in There's Seneca there was one. All kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. So you can you can literally be on, a, on an air mattress in someone's living room. Or they do boats, too. People rent out their yachts. Yeah. 
Sign me up for that. <laughs> I'm willing to be you, the guinea pig you to can test that out. You still have to pay. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Melissa, why don't you talk a little bit about why Airbnb is being so successful? It's only been around eight years, and in that short time, I mean, it's, it's dominated. Well, it comes back to really what Misha has already said about her booking process. The website itself is just, it's seamless. If you're there to, to either research or you're really ready to book, you are not going to have any roadblocks to stop you from doing so. Everything you need is right there. You do not need to leave to make another decision for more research. Um, so it's a super easy process. They've got great filter functions that you can, you know, choose by price range. Again, bedrooms, bathrooms, and like Misha said, you can choose like what type of room you're looking for, whether it's the whole house or if it's just a private room or a shared room. Uh, you can filter by amenities. They've got a great map that you can really see where the property is located. It's just, it's super easy to use and uh, it, it's all right there. And when your search results come up, they've got great imagery and you can, you know, cycle through each one of the results without having to open it up in another window. You can just see all the pictures right there without having to, to go to another page. You can even see the picture of the host right in the image of the property that you're looking at because that might influence your decision i don't know always nice to know maybe who you're renting a room from um and then the whole process is just super simple and the reviews are right there once you choose a property that you're more interested in every single thing that you could possibly want to know about that property is on one page there's nothing else for you to to, to look at um, all the reviews are right there so you can read through all of them. The one thing I do wish that they had is a filter on the reviews so that you could in that initial filter section if you could filter by you know five stars, four stars or whatever the case might be. I wish that they would do that most but, recent or yeah. something but yeah, yeah I wonder if they've tested that and, and why that is because it, it, from a consumer perspective it makes sense. I could mm -hmm. see where there'd be backlash from the host perspective why they wouldn't want that. But, but I wonder if that's something they're going to do or they've tested or, or there's got to be a reason. Like looking at specifically at their filters though, like they go above and beyond like anything pretty much you would possibly want to filter by yeah. is there. I mean, they've got a full list of everything from what you would expect. Wi-Fi, cable, internet to has a buzzer or intercom or has a cat, <laughs> which yeah. is a handy filter for me or hangers in the room like just crazy stuff that you would never think to even filter by yeah i you know for me the folks at airbnb are some of the smartest people in the world and, and the reason i say that is because they've simplified the process and yet kept the, the the complexity there but it doesn't get in the way right so if you think about most hoteliers and how their website is right it's full of distractions they're trying to tell people a thousand different things at the same time right what airbnb does is it knows at every point in the funnel what the next step is and everything on that page gives you all the information you need and answers every question you have to get you to the next stage in the funnel and if you go back and listen to last week's podcast episode where we talked about thank you pages conversion pages and how to keep people moving through the funnel or start them in a new cycle or a new funnel that's what airbnb does like every point within this process it's step by step but they're, they're thinking where are you right now and what do you need to do next it's all pushing you forward you're never going backwards and forwards like if you think of most hotel websites you're jumping between a accommodation page and an amenities page and then an area page and then a, a story or whatever it is with, with airbnb you don't you go forward 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 you never go back you never click there's not really any navigation right you know it's just you search and then you go down a, mm -hmm. a line and it's that simplicity but yet like you said it has the ability to filter and choose your specific preference uh, it's just brilliant it's really the perf is perfect in so many ways and they do a really good job of using social proof obviously with the reviews that are so present but also creating that sense of urgency some of the units i was looking at when i was in that consideration phase they had um a little picture of a diamond and it said this is a rare find so and so's unit is usually booked like just little subtle things yeah, throughout i'm like oh man this is this is usually full like i should probably go ahead and book it yeah they, they do a lot of that little personalized messaging to again push you a little bit further down the funnel each step of the way. It's, it's really, really 
I mean, it's it's so brilliant in its simplicity. Mm -hmm. I even like the way they, they present the pricing. So once you choose a property to look at, you've got just this all the information about the property and you can look at the reviews of the host location, et cetera, et cetera. But it also has all your information that you've already selected. So it gives you your check-in, your check-out date, tells you exactly the dollar amount and how many nights you're selecting. It gives you, if, you, if there's a discount, the cleaning fee, the service fee, occupancy tax, and then a total. And that's it. Like you don't have to guess. You don't have to keep going to the next page, the next page to figure out what am I actually spending here. It's all right there as soon as you click on that particular property. Yeah, they really spend time thinking about every single step, right? So a lot of times you, we see this when a person designs a website, right? We'll find a hotel website where it's a beautiful homepage and they spend hours and hours thinking about every little thing that goes every photo and every word that goes on that homepage and then they kind of slap together the rest of it right they put just throw together the lower level pages and and I think this is the antithesis of that this is they literally spent as much time on every single page as they did on the first because they're really anticipating the needs in fulfilling every single right. one of them every single step of the way is really 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 cool well from not necessarily an app perspective or a usability perspective but one thing i think airbnb is also doing really well is they've really spent a lot of time recently focusing on content so they're providing i mean whenever i would google a question about airbnb there were several airbnb specific pages that were dominating the search results so they've got anything you could ever want to know about them they've got it covered and they're also spending a lot more time building out like local travel guides like mm -hmm. really creating that local sense of culture for different areas so i think they've really now that they've got the ui down they're really spending a lot more time on the, the overall experience yeah and they, they've anticipated people's questions right because mm -hmm. one of the big ones early on and still for a lot of people that haven't used it is you know the security side of it like how do you vet the host how do i know i'm not going to get murdered in my sleep by staying with a stranger and you know they really do a good job of talking about that and, and addressing the issue not just hiding it by putting their safety policies front and center by explaining why they're taking your photo misha why they need your driver's license you know that it's mm -hmm. they really address head-on any of those questions they don't try to hide from it like a lot of people do. So just for the record, Airbnb does not rank for the search query, how do I know I won't get murdered in an Airbnb? <laughs> in fact, the top result says 22 Airbnb listings you'll probably be murdered in. So if you want some oh, help yeah. with your SEO, let us know. <laughs> that is something that I would probably write some content to. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Whoops. That's Airbnb murder prevention. <laughs> <laughs> Our policy in case you do get murdered. Yeah, I wonder if there's data out there on how many people have been murdered at Airbnb. I wonder if you get a refund. <laughs> yeah, it goes to your estate, I guess. <laughs> well, this your next day is free. <laughs> wow. But now that person can charge more because their unit just became haunted. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's an experience yeah. probably. Is that one of the filters? Can the you filter, yeah. search, search by haunted. By haunted. Yeah. Hmm. Well, this just got... <laughs> Search by murder. Yeah, this took a bad turn. Sorry, folks. Yeah, this just got morbid <laughs> really fast. All right, so yeah, we talked a lot about what um, makes it great, but there are some legitimate legal issues and concerns. So let's talk about some of those. Yeah, so legal issues we'll just start out with that so a lot of states have had a lot of pushbacks against airbnb and have actually made airbnb illegal in some cases um what they've basically done is that they've said that people cannot legally rent out their apartments or other living space for short periods which is defined as less than 30 days unless they're also living on property. So those are some of the ways some other states have just totally banned short-term rentals um, like Airbnb. It's up in the air in a lot of markets. I know New York and San Francisco have recently been in the news about this. Um, the two issues at stake here are tax issues and safety issues. Well, Uber had similar issues to that too when they first started still coming out. They still, they, they they still, still banned in some places. Taxi companies yeah. didn't like them coming in. I'm sure hotels don't like 
So they're not being subject to the same tax regulations and safety regulations that other short-term rentals like hotels are, and that's pissing a lot of people off. Well, and it it creates an unfair advantage in the marketplace, right? And I think if you're just a family that has a spare room and you're going to rent that out, that's very different to to what's happening now on Airbnb where an individual is going to buy a whole apartment complex and rent all of it out on Airbnb, right? That's You're now a professional which are bordering on a hotel at that point, right? So mm-hmm. why do you not have the same restrictions and regulations in taxes that a legitimate hotel has? That do, that's not fair. It's not f- free competition. You know, that's gives you an unfair advantage. And I think, you know, the, they have this little mom and pop dream that Airbnb likes to push or that's how they think of themselves, that, you know, they're really helping people make more money. But in reality, a majority of people that are, the host of these Airbnbs are turning into professionals. When I was doing research for this podcast, there were other podcasts about how to become an Airbnb professional and all this content out there about how to build a business out of Airbnb. So it is a legitimate concern. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, with any kind of new technology or new um, marketplace, it takes a while for the government and the regulation to catch up. And, and they often make big mistakes in that period where they're trying to catch up because they make knee-jerk reactions without all the information. So I think, you know, it's only been around eight years. It's not very long in terms of legalities. So I think what we're going to see is a lot of changes over the next four to five to ten years that are going to make this a more even playing field. There's a lot of lobbyists out there on the accommodation side with a lot of money that are doing a lot of hard work to get the politicians to make decisions that favor traditional hotels. So, you know, I think we're in that transitionary period. It's going to change a lot. But, yeah, just be aware of those legal legal things mm-hmm. and the safety things, too. It's like, you know, they don't have to have the same fire regulations or the same water regulations or whatever it is that, that are really there to protect the consumer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this kind of, you know, steers us into one of the other major concerns that a lot of people have expressed, and this is actually... Um, something that I'm familiar with. So my mom lives in the city of New Orleans. She lives in the French Quarter. She rents a property there. Um, She has a roommate and they rent it together. And she is actually considering moving after their lease is up because so many of the long-term rentals in New Orleans are being pulled off the market, put on Airbnb, and that is really inflating the local housing market pricing. So she's just basically being forced to move because she just can't afford to live in the French Quarter anymore, which it is an expensive place to live, but the prices are just going up so much and so many units are being pulled off and it's become a real problem down there. It's definitely been in other cities longer, like New York, San Francisco, those are the two I I always think of, but it's definitely heading towards other cities and it's having a big impact on the locals. I think that'd be weird for, you know, some neighbors too, you know, if you live in a building and then all of a sudden it's your your next door neighbor becomes a weekly rental. That, Mm -hmm. That would upset me if I you know, paid a lot to live in a certain spot and didn't expect that. Yeah, and like I said earlier, Airbnb, one of their arguments is that you know they're trying to help support the local economy by helping local property owners make more money. Um, but again, in many cases, or in most cases, the people that own these properties and are renting them out are not the mom and pop who are renting out their spare room. It's people who are professionals that probably don't even live in the area that they have multiple listings and they're making money off of it. So it's really not the case where you're helping as much as you probably think you are. Yeah, they've essentially created a whole new tier of vacation rental managers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the, the people that were making a lot of money on a place like VRBO have now found, found a whole new marketplace that have been successful. So one of the other things, and this has really been, um, had a light shone on it recently, Skift, whose podcast is great and you should also listen to it if you're in the hotel industry, recently did an episode on this as well, but there's been some prejudice. And you mentioned earlier that, you know, during the sign-up process, you have to take a photo of yourself. And obviously people judge based on how people look, you know, that it could be race, it could be the the type that, um, and, and ethnicity, it could be whether they perceive you as upper class or working class or whatever, right? So people are gonna judge you. And the fact that some of the hosts on Airbnb set it up in a way that they have to approve the reservation for it to be complete that opens the door for 
behavior that is really not fair to people based on whatever differences they have. And especially the race thing has been really big recently. There was an incident or lots of incidents and people have proven where if they had a photo of them being black, they would get denied quite frequently. But if they changed that photo to a white person, they didn't get denied by the same people. I feel like if you're going to be an Airbnb with an approval process and not an instant book, you should have to give a legitimate reason why you disapprove somebody. I think that's part of the problem right now and and, and part of the complaint. So there was a whole movement on Twitter. One lady started out hashtag Airbnb while black and it kind of took took off and and Airbnb have definitely responded to it but I don't feel like everyone's satisfied with how they've Mm -hmm. responded to it because they're basically saying it is a problem and we're looking into it and we're trying to address it, but they haven't given any specifics. Well, I can't imagine it's easy for them. I and mean, dealing with anything with race is never easy. Yeah. So, you know, that's it's it's a touchy subject in every way possible, but I just personally I just feel like you should have to provide the person you disapprove with a reason why they're disapproved. Which they do, but it could be a, a nonsense yeah. reason. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like, oh, it's it's yeah. no longer available. But what people have done is gone on and proved it. They they've said, Okay, I got um, denied for this room and they said it was no longer available and then two days later it came back available online you know so yeah. or we set up a fake profile and, and booked it right. yeah. yeah I feel like if you get caught doing something like that you just gotta be kicked off yeah, the so, program so it sounds like Airbnb have, have kind of activated the task force inter- internally to try to address it and, and go after the host that are, are doing this but this is also on the other side of things you know because the host have to put a photo up as well right mm-hmm. so if, if you are racist as well, you might not want to go stay with a white family or a black family or an Asian family because of your own prejudice. Mm-hmm. So that affects the, the revenue coming to hosts. And there's some data out there that suggests that if you're a minority host, you don't get as many bookings as if you're a Caucasian host, right? So, I mean, there's a lot of just negativity out there, but you kind of need this photo thing mm-hmm. for security. but. Right. Then there's another argument out there. Well, does the host and the guest really need the photo? That's what I was going to say. Or maybe not until after the booking takes place. I understand, especially if you're sharing a house, if you're renting a room versus a whole house, Mm -hmm. you want to know what each one looks like. Make Mm -hmm. sure you're getting the the guests that you said you're getting and that you're staying with the right person. Right, which is why they do it. Right. Right. But that doesn't need to happen until after that booking takes place. You, You would think, but... Um, you know, I, I think we're going to continue to see scrutiny on this subject, and I think Airbnb are going to have to respond probably with a little more clarity than they have so far. But um, yeah, it's certainly yeah, not I, good. I feel like this is just one of those sticky subjects that's not going to go away for them very easily. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least they did respond, and they are doing something about it, but I agree. I don't think people are satisfied yet. All right, so let's move on from that. So we talked about murder. We talked about racism. This is a really... Great <laughs> 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 be down a bit. That's a... So I think we can move into what makes them a travel disruptor. They definitely, that is the term that is always used when you're talking about Airbnb. So I think we can discuss, you know, what really makes them different. And the first one in my mind, just based on my experience, is that it is a lot cheaper than booking a traditional hotel in most cases. As I expressed earlier for game day, sorry if we have any hotel clients in the Clemson area, but if you would like to ever hook me up with the game day hotel room for less than $400, let me know. We paid $75 a night, so split for two nights for two people. I paid $75 to say two nights for a Clemson hotel game. That is so cheap. I mean, yeah, you you're never going to get that in a hotel in no. a college town on game no. day. You just won't. I think, and we know how big of a factor price is in people's booking decisions. If this is a cheaper option and people are comfortable sleeping in someone else's house, why wouldn't you do this? And again, they you can book a private residence, you can book a private room or a shared room. So they do have, you know, that would obviously affect the price. But if you just want that experience of staying in someone's room and almost having like a mini bed and breakfast and you right. want that interaction with people, I mean, that's... That's something that people want. So they have that option versus, you know, you can't really just walk up to a hotel up the road and say, hey, can I share a room with somebody? Like, I don't think that would fly. (laughs) You should try it. See what happens. I, maybe. I don't know. They might take that the wrong way. (laughs) They might. You might get arrested. Perhaps. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Happy podcast. (laughs) (laughs) If I'm not here next week, you know why. You're either arrested or murdered. Yes. Oh, I think it's also a disruptor It's because it's not a traditional hotel. It's not 
uniform, cut-and-dry type of rooms. You are staying in somebody's house. This mm-hmm. is their residence. It's, there'd probably be pictures of their family at places, things like that. It's just it's a completely different experience. Those who like a bed and breakfast would likely choose this over your typical hotel, and, and they're making it very easy to do, and they're everywhere. So I, mean, that's, I think that's a huge disruptor. And if they're so, like you said, they're so unique. A lot of times if you are, and I've heard so many stories from my friends who have stayed at Airbnbs, you know, you get little personal notes from the host or they'll leave you like a little surprise local chocolate or coffee or some slippers in the morning. Just like little things that we've talked about, you know, surprise and delight. Like it's just, you go there and you're like, oh, this is so cute. And I was totally not expecting this. It's awesome. I always kind of liken this to Uber because it's very similar, that shared economy type yeah. deal. But, you know, your Uber drivers who provide, you know, hey, well, you want a bottle of water? And, you, know, do you, you want need a phone charger? Yeah, something like that. Those type of things are all that surprise and delight. Exactly. Nailed it. But I, this is something that an Airbnb can offer that maybe your typical flag hotel doesn't. It doesn't, but it can. It uh, could. And I think we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, you know, I agree 100% with Uber. Like, it took me a while to buy, buy into the sharing economy personally. Like, I'm, I'm a late adopter. I'm not a trusting person by nature. So it took me a long time. Still haven't done an Airbnb, but Uber, I live and die by now. Like, it, if I go anywhere out of town, I never get a cab. I get an Uber. And it took me a long time to break that barrier. But once I did, it's such a better experience. It's more mm-hmm. personable. I get to learn something that I wouldn't have done with a cabbie. Cabbies, like, that's their job, and they're in there, and they'll make small talk, but there's not a lot it's of real kind connection. It's kind of creepy, though. Yeah, and I'm always sitting in the back, right? Yeah. And it's kind of separated. But with Uber, I always sit next to the guy or girl, and, and we have a conversation. I'm getting to know someone. I and feel like there's the, there's a big difference with, you know, we'll talk about Uber and cabs. With a with an Uber driver, it feels like you're helping them out. With a yeah. cab, it's the other way around. The cab feels like they're helping you out, and that's just a completely different experience with how you interact with each yeah. other. But I, I love like when when I I've got been to Nashville a couple of times and Ubered around, and it's so cool hearing the stories because mm-hmm. no one, very few people are full time Uber drivers, right? Mm-hmm. It's usually a supplementary right. rental income, and they they have a dream. So when you go to Nashville. A lot of them, are, you know, it was like school teachers and a guy that worked at a museum and some other stuff. But a lot of them were like aspiring musicians. And they'd share their music with me during the, the trip. And it was just really cool, you know. Uh, and then they'd say, day. hey, and I'm playing at this place tomorrow night. So you can go actually watch, watch cool. them play. That's you know? pretty cool. So you feel like you have a personal connection. And I feel like that's what's happening with Airbnb where people are leaving these mm-hmm. personal notes. And they actually care. Right? They, they, they actually give a you know what about the individual and they're going to take the time to treat everyone every single guest as an individual because they it's not on a mass scale they don't have a hundred fifty or a hundred or two hundred families staying they have one or two staying at a time so they can be personalized Mm -hmm. but i think what we're going to say in a minute is hotels can can do that too Mm -hmm. you know so yeah i think this kind of begs a certain question will lead us into our next discussion but so I dabbled with just or argued with this myself so are guests booking Airbnb in lieu of booking a traditional hotel or are the users um, who have strayed from the traditional experience so people who stay at bed and breakfast or use VRBO are those the ones that are using Airbnb and is this really a threat to the hotel industry? It's, it's tough. I don't feel like anyone's got a comprehensive answer on that question. I mean, I, I certainly feel like the experience is different. And, and, and I hate to bucket people into they always behave a certain way. Because yeah. I, I think there's a lot of people that do stay with Airbnb that also still stay with hotels, and depending on the purpose. Um, but I do think it's more likely to be a certain type of person to stay with an Airbnb, in an Airbnb than a hotel. Like I, Again, I'm someone that is a late adopter, typically distrusting so I always stay at hotels. But I, I'm leaning towards dabbling with Airbnb, but would it ever replace all hotels? Probably not. You know, if I'm traveling with my kids, I'm probably always going to stay with the hotel until they're older, you know? Security, safety, all those things, just protecting them. But I, the way I see it is, for, from a hotel perspective, is Airbnb is another one of the many competitors out there. Right? Just like if you're a Marriott in a hotel in a city, the Hilton is a competitor. And you know, the 
the best Western is a competitor. And not every one of those competitors is going to target the same demographic that you are. Now, you might be a higher end kind of demographic or, or you might be in a corner lodge. But Airbnb is just another one of those. It's just spread out a little more in your city. So look at it as who's it appealing to? Is that my demographic? Look at it as where are they located? What advantages do I have to them? Because the reality is in a lot of cities, um, I think New Orleans is probably more of an exception in like your mom's dealing with. But in a lot of cities, the Airbnbs are a lot of times on the kind of outskirts. They're not like downtown where the hotels are. So a lot of people are going to want to go for a specific reason. So you have an advantage in that case over the competition because you can say, we're right next to this, you know, whereas the Airbnbs might be on the periphery. So I don't know if it's stealing guests. I think it's something you just got to be aware of and know how to compete against it. Well, back to your case, I mean, it's just another option. When all those hotels are booked, there's probably not an, another hotel room or maybe not an affordable one, those mm-hmm. type of things. I, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's still a competitor, but it's almost an overflow in, in, in that type of case. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I've gone very back and forth with this, and I feel like for me personally, it was if there was an affordable hotel room, we probably would have booked that. But in this case, we're not going to be there, and we wanted something cheap. So in that case, yes, it was a replacement for a hotel, but... But this is your first time. Yeah. But I bet, bet now that you've done it once, if you have a good experience, mm-hmm. next time you're going to be a whole lot more likely oh, yeah. to do it. You know? I'm definitely super open to it. I mean, I'm looking forward to the actual experience and meeting the host and um, I'm pretty sure she's a student. So just kind of, you know, getting mm-hmm. to know her and again, that, that experience, you know, meeting people and connecting. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of it too. Um, you know, but I agree there are certain people who this, they'll never be comfortable with this. They're never interested in it, mm-hmm. which is fine too. Yeah. And you also have to look at the business segment as well. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of business travelers that just are not allowed to stay at Airbnb yet. You know, they're, they're corporate requires them to have you know stay in certain properties or just forbids airbnb for right now that's changing there are some businesses that are beginning to allow airbnb as an option um, but you know for the most part business travelers are avoiding this for now and again that will change airbnb gets a loyalty program well i mean that yeah (laughs) but you know I, i think you know millennials obviously I think naturally I'm more likely to, to gravitate towards something like this and be more open to it. Whereas Gen X is like Melissa and, yeah. and me are, are, are less likely to do that, but I still think more likely than like a boomer or, you know, mm-hmm. even older generations than that. But I think potentially down the road, everyone's going to get more used to the idea and be more open to it. But, you know, just think of this as a really big chain, just like, you know, we said earlier, it's, it's, double the size of Marriott. You know, how many Marriott's do you have in your town? How many total units of Airbnb do you have in your town? Probably about twice as many as you do Marriott units. Look at it that way. If you're a big enough destination that has that much inventory, then compete on your strengths and fight against, you know, combat their strengths. But if you're in a small little town, this is probably not ever going to be a huge threat because there's not going to be enough inventory for it, for it to make a big dent, you know? So I think it's a disruptor in a way, but is it ever going to replace the hotel or, or threaten the existence of the hotel? No, there's no way. It's, no. it's not going to happen. So speaking of hotels, I think we have some really good insight on what hotels can actually learn from Airbnb. Um, take some of what they've done right and apply it to your very own property. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> so the first one, as we have iterated several times during this, is make your website experience seamless through the entire research to booking phase everything about it needs to be as simple as possible both on a desktop and a mobile device and perhaps even a dedicated mobile app and 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 decluttered right so if you look at what we talked about with Airbnb is they take the noise out of the way they don't distract people through the process they know what each page is intending to do and they just do that. Mm-hmm. They don't try to show flashy specials in their face when they're already two-thirds of the way through the booking process. Mm-hmm. They don't try to throw the amenities in their face when they're looking at the accommodations. You know, just think about every page as where is this consumer in their journey right now? How do I answer every question they have right now? And how do I push them through the funnel, through urgency messaging, things like that right now? 
Yeah, and I definitely agree with all of what you said. And I think just from a content perspective, less is generally more. But I also do think, you know, especially for individual hotels, there really is a lot of room for high quality, helpful, super awesome content. We've talked about 10x content before, but take like the local guides that Airbnb has developed. I mean, go take a look at them, really, when you get done listening to our podcast. I mean, they've got some really great content. And think about how you can take that idea and spin it for your hotel. And if you do have a hotel blog, instead of putting out, let's say, for example, you put out one blog a week. Well, how can you, instead of doing that, take one blog a month and make it awesome and answer everything you could about whatever you're writing about. That's kind of the mindset you need to have with this type of stuff. So in all cases, I think less is more. Yeah. And I think, you know, focusing where you need to focus. So a lot of people, when they're looking at a page, are really focused on the aesthetics, which, and I'm not saying that it shouldn't be pretty, right? But don't, don't deliberate over the position of this one little thing for hours and hours, like spend that time and energy focusing on the, the messaging of that. You know, what what the page says is infinitely more important than how it looks. You know, I'm not saying it should not look good, should look good, but you, you a lot of times people get hung up in stuff that really has no impact on people, like what font I'm using here or, or what color this particular thing is. That can have an impact through A-B testing, but people just guess at it and they tinker with it and they spend way too much time on it spend that time focusing on what the guest needs at that point through the messaging through the content and speaking of content user generated content airbnb does a fantastic job at this is something that it would be incredibly easy for a hotel to utilize as well so having genuine guest reviews i think that's so important so important if you're a hotel and you have not understood yet the value of showing reviews on your own website please give us a call and we'll help explain it to you because there is no reason in today's day and age that you should not be fully aware of all the reviews going on and leveraging that to help drive direct bookings because if you don't all you're doing is sending people out away from your site at a moment when they're ready to book and you're exposing them to all the OTAs and all these other channels where they can book and you're losing that direct booking and you're losing the relationship with the consumer. So please, 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 please. We're begging. Put reviews on your website. Can you say it nicely next time? Jeez. <laughs> hey, English people apply. Mm, what a lad. <laughs> all right. And then also um, just making that seamless dedicated mobile app. I personally enjoy how convenient it is for me just to pop into Airbnb on my phone. Mobile app, perhaps not the right solution for every single property on the face of the earth, but it is an option. Yeah. And you know, I think a lot of this comes back to the experience and controlling the guest and, and loyalty. And a lot of things we talk about a lot on this podcast, the mobile app to me is the, is that tool that can keep you engaged with the guests and allow you to provide that personal touch that, that is missing in the hotel experience. Because right now, a guest comes to your, your hotel, they check in, they go to their room, perhaps you call them to see if the rooms are okay. Like maybe 10% of the hotels I stay in do that. But other than that, you don't interact with that person at all proactively throughout the stay, right? You wait until they come and check out. If you can get a mobile app in their hand, mobile app in their hands, then you have the opportunity to engage with them, to drive them to your amenities, to drive additional revenue, to check on them, to make sure they're okay, to to head off any negativity that they have about the property, to make sure that they leave with having a great experience and satisfied and leaving positive reviews. The mobile app to me is the key to that. And we happen to have a cool mobile app solution if you want one. I think it's called Guest Express. Yes, it is. Indeed, it is. I'm glad you know that. I'm certain you work first. <laughs> Everybody should check it out. Yeah. Um, so moving on with what your hotel can learn from Airbnb, get local. This is, I mean, a no-brainer for any hotel that's in any location, which is every hotel. <laughs> but know your area inside and out, whether that's local events, whether that's the local patisserie that's located right down the road, whether that's whatever it might be, but know it and use that to your advantage on your website, but also 
throughout the booking experience. You know, your reservationist or your concierge should be prepared to give really great local recommendations and have that rapport with guests instead of just handing them a pamphlet. Oh, and like when you're talking about creating the local guides content earlier, have a local write it. Have someone who knows the area very well be writing that type of content and sharing that information with the guest. Yeah, and, and going back to the concierge, make sure they care. You know, don't, like if you go stay in an Airbnb and you talk to that host, they genuinely want to know you and your interests and what's going to appeal to you. And they personalize their advice. Don't just have a canned response that every guest that shows up, yeah, go eat here or go eat there because they're our partner. Actually get to know the guests on a one-to-one, you know, connect with them. Be an innkeeper. Be, be a real host and get to know your guests and make recommendations that are perfect for that individual. So soliciting reviews, also something that we've touched on a lot of other podcasts. But don't just send a lazy post-date email. There's a lot of other ways to solicit reviews throughout the process and really amp up the amount of feedback that you're getting. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be after the stay, right? You can get a score during the stay, especially if you have a mobile app or you do it via email. But, hey, a day after check-in, how is your experience so far? What could we do better? And then you can start ahead of those potential train wrecks before they happen. So. The next tidbit of advice we have, I think, is something that independent properties have done perhaps better than flagged hotels. Um, but just have a personality and showcase that throughout your website and your marketing materials. I think that makes such a difference and it's something that Airbnb B has done a really good job at. Yeah, and, and not just on the marketing side, but on the experience side too. Mm-hmm. You know, I was listening to a podcast the other day about the hotel industry and they were talking about a hotel that every guest gets a free pineapple. It's like, that's really weird. Was it the SpongeBob hotel? It wasn't. (laughs) But it was just like, it was a quirky little thing that they kind of hung their hat on and it was like just what they were known for. It was like, I guess uh, um, pineapples represent hospitality, right? So that was their their shtick was everyone gets that. But it it goes back to this kind of surprise and delight and Mm -hmm. building loyalty in people in, in, in giving someone an experience, not just a bed to stay in, right? So finding something unique that your property does that no one else does, and, and if you can personalize that to the individual, I think it's great. You know, taking the time. Uh, and it sounds, oh man, that's overwhelming because I've got this many guests, but you could scale it. You can figure out, I mean, what would it really cost you to put a pineapple in every room, you know? If you plant a pineapple tree, nothing. <laughs> well, that's true, but like the actual <laughs> logistics of it. Say you've got the pineapples, mm-hmm. right, to actually put it. Like the housekeeper does it, right? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really cost you anything extra, but it's something nice for that guest. Just like when you used to do turndown service or put a chocolate on the pillow. It's just it's the little details that build the loyalty. It's, mm-hmm. That's what guests appreciate, and that's what's going to drive them to come back to your property. Yeah. I got a handwritten note when we stayed at the Bryce, which is a Kimpton property in Savannah, which I talk about all the time, and I can't wait to go back. A handwritten note that says, Dear Kavanaugh family, thank you for spending Christmas with us. And it came with a bottle of wine and hot donuts. So really? You, you did, it was amazing. You didn't have the heart to tell me you were Jewish and you no, didn't celebrate Christmas? No, I, I did not. <laughs> I, I am non-religious when it comes to... Free food. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it wasn't pork, you were good. Yeah, it was all good. But I mean, I still have my handwritten note. It sits on my dresser. That's how much that that little touch meant. Yeah, and and how how much of an ROI did they get on that? Right. So that probably took them no more than a minute, right? Because they're probably right. doing something very similar for every guest. So they're doing it on scale, but it appears very personalized because they're just right. looking up your name. Um, and, but now you've told how many people, you know, the, the millions of people that listen to this podcast. Yes. And I say millions with air quotes because um, <laughs> we all know it's billions. But also everyone you know knows about this property. And if I ever go to Savannah, I would likely want to stay there. You know? Oh, you every time you go back to Savannah, you know exactly oh, yeah. where I know exactly where I'm staying. Lifetime, lifetime I won't time. even consider going anywhere else. Yeah, are you point. even going to look at rates now? No. Right? So no. rate becomes less of an Not issue because yeah. now you have I loyalty have to that property. I know going to have an amazing experience. That's, that's, that's a, one a lifetime note. guest yeah. with a yeah. simple handwritten note. Yeah. And I not only that, but if I'm in a city that has another Kimpton, you bet your butt I'm going to look there first. That will be my first choice. Hmm. But now you're going to be disappointed if they don't give you a handwritten note. Uh, yeah. Well, hello, Kimptons around the world. I would like a handwritten <laughs> note from all of you. And wine and donuts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they were so good. Well, I think this all kind of wraps up our last point, which I think we can all agree on, is that 
human connection is powerful. So from a hotel perspective, maintaining incredibly high staff standards and you know having your staff just be on point when dealing with guests at any point at any interaction and really going above and beyond to again our favorite phrase surprise and delight with personal touches yeah loyalty is the battleground for the next at least 12 months like this is where you as a property are going to either beat the otas in your competition or you're going to fail miserably if you don't have some kind of plan to surprise and delight your guests to provide incentives and, and encouragement for them to become loyal to you and appreciate you and leave positive feedback you're going to struggle in the next you know decade that we live in so really you need to get on this right now right now right now you have to throw in the cat yes all right so we didn't have a listener question this week so please do submit those we we love to give our opinions on lots of things so please submit those on twitter at fuel travel and guys if they have specific questions for you where can they find you on the web phil you can find me uh, on twitter at p Fariska. that's p-f-o-r-i-s-k-a and Melissa. I'm at Ma Cavanaugh, M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. And what about you, Ma Kating Misha? <laughs> yes, that is where you can find me on the Twitterverse. It's at marketing M-E-I-S-H-A. And you can find me at Stuart Butler, S-T-U-A-R-T-B-U-T-L-E-R. Again, you can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. You can get the notes to this podcast on uh, fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 27. And we'll have links to the Skiff podcast we mentioned and a couple of the articles that we used to get uh, info for this podcast. But until next time, you've been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? SpongeBob SquarePants? Airbnb.